Hey friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, SheCast episode 49. And I'm on the line with Cache Calvard. She and I met uh, at the University of Michigan, and she's recently graduated with a master's degree, and she went to U of M as an undergrad as well, or for her undergraduate studies as well. And so I would love to welcome you to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. So tell everyone how amazing you are in your own words. <laughs> um, I think that's a pretty tough question. Um, but I will say that I um, graduate, recently graduated with a master's in health services administration degree at the School of Public Health. Um, and a lot of my undergraduate work, um, not that it was specifically in healthcare, but it aided um, me in my transition to the School of Public Health and hospital or healthcare administration. Um, so I've dedicated a lot of my time to figuring out um, ways to really improve access to care in the environment of healthcare um, in our country and hopefully in the world as well. I love that. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I worked in, well, I still work in in primary care, but for four years of the last five years, I was patient facing. And so I was a clinical health coach. And our CEO, a pretty amazing man, Rashika Fernando Pule uh, of Iowa Health, he thought, what if we gave some of the sickest patients in Las Vegas and we're talking about patients with multiple chronic conditions, what if we gave them a care team? So as part of their care team, they got someone in my role, which was a health coach, a clinical health coach, and a primary care physician. And we also had behavioral health specialists who were social workers. Uh, What if we gave them this care team to see the impact it would have on their health? And what we found was that visits to the emergency department went down. You know, Mm -hmm. we were able to help coordinate care with specialists so that we were essentially a team and the patient was at the center of the team. We also, you know, at the center, the practice where I ended up, um, we had a, it was a large uh, office space. And so we had a studio room, a studio space where I taught yoga and fitness classes, there were meditation classes, there was uh, DBT uh, therapy available as well. And so I love that you are looking at how to provide access to patients, uh, not only all over Michigan, but nationally and hopefully globally, because to your point, one thing that we did not have that other doctor's offices have was a copayment. And so if a patient needed to see us daily because they have uh, congestive heart failure, for example, and they need to, we need to weigh them to ensure that they are doing okay, um, given the severity or the fact that it's a chronic illness, we could see them every day and not have to charge a copayment every time we saw them which is pretty cool. So that's awesome. Where, what are next steps again? Remind me of what you're going to be doing now that you've graduated. Sure. So I'm moving to Cleveland, Ohio to complete an administrative fellowship at the Cleveland Clinic. 
um, which is in this role, it's basically um, training at the executive level um, in many of the different departments within the health system. So some of those include finance, operations, um, physician relations, patient experience. Um, we get a broad uh, scope of work um, in a year span to kind of learn as much as we can and do as much as we can. Um, and then after this year, we will then you know, choose our specialty and kind of go on um, into a formalized role. Awesome. So we'll have to stay in contact because if it makes sense for you to join us at Iora Health, I will be the first to be like, we need her. <laughs> for <laughs> sure. So friends, Cashay is very, like, very humble. And she's really badass. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have her come on was because of access to education. So we're doing an ARC. Um, Next week, the next two weeks after this podcast uh, airs or goes live, um, we'll continue to be talking about access to higher education because it's definitely a social justice issue in which I am very interested and concerned, um, to be honest, because I believe too many people think that higher education is beyond them whether it's a self-worth thing or whether it's an accessibility thing, meaning they don't think that they can actually make it happen. I want to dispel that um, so that people look in different places and become very creative. Because one thing I noticed as I was talking to Cachet earlier in the year is that it seemed like she was very systematic in her approach at the University of Michigan as an undergrad and as a graduate student. And looked at it almost like a business investment, which is awesome. And she was able to experience so many things and utilize so many different um, avenues so that she was able to continue as a student. So can you tell us some of the things that you were able to do that helped to minimize the cost um, that you bore, um, the financial costs of attending a really amazing public university that's also pretty expensive? Sure. So I would say the first thing um, I kind of strategically planned, or at least my mother did, um, <laughs> was I received a scholarship in um, high school from attending a Detroit public schools um, school and it um, provided tuition for my high school but then it also committed to giving a thousand dollars a year for college expenses and this organization um, donates to a variety of schools in the DPS network um, it's called the Skillman Foundation and I'm not sure if they're still doing this um, because high school was a few years ago but I think it was really strategic for my mother to um, look up this certain foundation and um, inspire me to get involved because not only did it pay for um, my private high school, but it also contributed to funds for college. That's awesome. Um, but after that, um, so once I got on campus at Michigan, I still had some out-of-pocket expenses to cover. Um, a lot of it was loans, but I definitely took... Um, a lot of time trying to figure out scholarship options. 
So there were many that my high school offered that I wouldn't have necessarily known about if I didn't inquire. And there also are so many scholarship options online to apply for. And it's pretty, it's an annoying process just because there's so many and you never know what one organization is going to ask you to do for that scholarship. Um, but I think it definitely helped in terms of, you know, I had a $500 scholarship here and another one there and all of those things start to add up. Um, so I would say, you know, that's the basic level of trying to finance your um, education if you don't have those resources already. And then also there are so many different um, organizations on campus that will help you pay for your education and or help minimize the cost of attending. And one of those, um, at least I experienced, was resident um, housing. And they covered, if you became an RA, they covered um, room and board, which I think is a tremendous cost. Um, I want to say the dorms now are around $10,000, $9,000 a year. And um, having access you know, to food on campus and housing on campus without having to come out of pocket for that definitely helped um, making payments towards my tuition much easier. And I didn't necessarily want to continue doing that um, throughout grad school just because I felt like I was getting older and I still wanted, um, or I finally wanted some space to myself after staying on campus for four years. But then thinking about um, the network of people that you get, the different job opportunities that come up, um, and also being able to still live a pretty stable lifestyle, I chose to continue being an RA throughout grad school. So that was um, four years having to not come out of pocket um, for living expenses or eating or anything like that, which definitely helped. <laughs> um, I was say that's around you know $60,000 that I didn't have to pay for or loans didn't have to pay for which made it much easier and the benefits you know outside of just the financial benefits were so much greater um, so I definitely recommend looking into all the options that schools offer and um, there's so many opportunities out there it just takes a little bit of time to inquire about what those are and see if you qualify sure that's so awesome um because you were able to forego perhaps some of the benefit of living alone or with friends now so that you could save then, you know, or in the present moment at the time, and then have a new experience of being, not having to have secured $60,000, right? Whether through loans or even savings, um, at the time, and then now you're not burdened with that additional cost, and you're mm -hmm. able to go to Cleveland and do what you want, <laughs> right? Um, and live with whom you want or live alone uh, so that, you know, you can have a new experience and not have that kind of uh, connection or... Because really, debt is... I'm going to go out on a limb. It, you're not free when you are indebted, even if it's student loans, you know, and you at least have made a wise decision to think about the future instead of just what's happening right now, because that 
is sometimes I think what people get caught up in. I know for me, one of my mom's wise words that I did not heed was do not get credit cards until you have a job, like a real job, <laughs> like mm-hmm. a salaried position. And that is not what I did. You know, I did not listen and follow um, her instruction. And as a result, I got caught up in some of the things that you saved yourself from just by making smarter choices, uh, which is awesome. So you, you and I were talking about parking because in most cities, parking can be a problem. Ann Arbor is no different. So how did you kind of tackle that? Um, Did you have a car in undergrad in grad school? Yep. I had a car um, all six years that I was there. And you didn't pay for parking any of them, did you? No, well, I paid for parking my first year just because the dorm that I was at at the time had a parking lot. Okay. Um, and so it cost like $30 a semester to park there, which was definitely um, cost efficient. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, especially because, friends, we live in Michigan. So <laughs> it's right. like, ain't nobody have time to be trekking during the winter months because you can. I remember one year, my car I loved it though because the the meter people couldn't find cars because there was so much snow over them so (laughs) I was like no one's getting a ticket today and no one has to pay for parking because they can't they're not even out you know looking for cars um so then you didn't so then how did you get by with um five years of having a vehicle and not paying for parking um given that Ann Arbor is a college town I feel like most areas are um, relatively safe to park because other students are parking there as well. And so you go into the areas that have um, houses or apartments, um, probably maybe a block off campus, if that. There's so much um, free parking streets or you know you can park here for free Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the other side of the street is Tuesday, Thursday. So sometimes it took some strategic planning um, around that when I lived in different dorms. But for the most part, there's a lot of parking. It's just students don't necessarily know about it. Um, But it helps if, well, at least for me, I lived in so many different dorms. So I got to know, you know, five or six different areas and learn parking across campus. Um, But most students you know, stay on campus for the first year and then move off campus for the second year. And if you don't have the opportunity to really explore all of campus, you know, you can go all your years paying for parking or paying for a parking spot, um, even though there's so much free parking. Um, So I always try to tell my friends (laughs) once if they're, you know, in grad school, majority of my class was not from Michigan. So I try to give them tips early on because a lot of parking spots are like $500 for the semester, which I think is absolutely absurd. It Um, is. Yeah. (laughs) It is. That's another thing. So you're doing it. You did it well, and I did it kind of not so well. I mean, I I got my degrees, and that's all good. Um, But I remember my mom told me, so I'm from Ann Arbor, so U of M was kind of like, we spent time and hung out in the summer months when we were in the summers, in, you know, during high school 
on U of M's campus. And so I remember my mom said a family friend had had his car impounded um, or towed, right, impounded for unpaid parking tickets. And my mom said, you better pay all your parking tickets. And I was like, oh, no, they they're not. I mean, that happened to him, but it's it's not going to happen to me. And I remember coming out of Angel Hall one day from class and the tow truck was out there. Like the oh. parking people, and so they had block. They what they do is they block your car because they don't want you to leave, you know. But they do have a credit card machine there, so that if you are able to run the card and pay off everything, they will drop your car and unblock you. Um, okay. So I give them my card, knowing that. It was like a debit card, so it's based on how much money you have in the account, unless you have overdraft protection, right? And so um, I give them my card, and they run it, and I knew it wasn't going to go through, and sure enough, it didn't. So I ran to my mom's office because she ran the lab at UHS for many years, like decades, and um, She's a clinical um, microbiologist. So then she goes there. And so now my emergency becomes her emergency, right? And so she's like, what's going on? And I tell her. And she's not thrilled with me. But I, because um, I, I had asked the guys, if if I come back with my mom who can pay, will you all let my, like, drop my car? And they said, yeah, if you do in 10 minutes, we'll wait for 10 minutes, which was really kind of them. Mm-hmm. So, by the time we got there, it had been t- over 10 minutes, and so they had left. And I dropped down to my knees so dramatically, like, no! And my mom was like, get up. And so we go over <laughs> there, and when we get there to the police station, they hadn't processed my vehicle through yet, so we had to wait for, like, an hour for them to do that. And that oh. ticket, can I tell you, like, the like the all of the tickets was in the 400 range so my mom was like you still owe me that money (laughs) over time (laughs) she was not happy with me at all because Mm -hmm. I was not very thoughtful that's for sure um so what other tips and tricks do you have for people we've talked about room and board we've talked about parking Were you able to secure um, some academic scholarships that helped lighten the load besides the um, living expenses, one that you got through the foundation your mom discovered? Mm -hmm. Um, So I did have a couple um, academic scholarships coming into Michigan, um, which helped, and because I kind of kept my grades you know, in somewhat a good range, I was able to receive a Dean's Award for grad school. But I would say, um, even if, you know, grades aren't the best, there's so many different scholarships for random things, um, whether it be your nationality, um, if you're studying a certain subject, um, if if you have certain hobbies. Um, So I made sure to stay in contact with my advisor just to see, you know, are there any scholarships that I can apply for that may um, fit, uh, that I may qualify for. Um, So I think there's, I think a lot of people think if you don't start off with those scholarships, you can't get any more after that, 
which is completely false. Um, so I often, you know, reapply for scholarships um, every year. And there were often times where, you know, even after my scholarships, I had to pay a balance. And there are a lot of opportunities at Michigan as well that will, um, if you're in a financial need, they will pay your tuition if you just explain a situation. Um, so I made sure to kind of keep a hold of um, my advisor to make sure that, you know, I'm getting all of the opportunities that I can. Um, and sometimes it's hard if your parents um, or parent makes over a certain amount of money, which sure. um, I couldn't qualify for a lot of scholarships or financial aid um, because of that. But there's still, you know, a number of ways to get to kind of get behind that and get scholarships that you can qualify for. You just got to look a little bit harder. Um, so, yeah, even though I'm coming out, um, you know, with a hefty amount of loans um, from these degrees, I think it's much better that I kind of invested in financing my education um, more thoroughly um, than it would be if I hadn't. Absolutely. Yeah. And you brought up some good points. I, when I just, when I decided to go back to school, I was, um, like I started a pre-med post-bac program last summer in LA. And one of the things I did was purchase the 2016, um, scholarships book. And it was written by a couple who I think they both went to either Harvard or Stanford, but they did not pay a penny. <laughs> so they have been able to do much of what you're doing um, or what you did, which was navigate and figure out how to go to school, whether for free or significantly ch cheaper or less expensive than it would be had they not made the choices that they made similar to you. And there are a lot of scholarships, friends, a lot. So please don't allow school to deter you. I mean, excuse me, finances to deter you, especially if you have a willingness to work hard once you get into school, because there are definitely affinity groups, meaning, like Hesche said, groups related to your nationality or your ethnicity, um, also related to minority status even within a field. So for example, and I'm using gendered language in terms of male, female, but um, males that are in nursing, for example, there are oftentimes scholarships for that because that's not as common as, the, as looking at females in nursing. So just like women in science and engineering, I was part of WISE uh, at U of M because I was a pre-med student initially when I got to the University of Michigan. So there are so many different, um, if you're in the Ann Arbor area, the Center for the Education of Women, CW, has, uh, has one particular scholarship that you may want to look at, especially if you're a non-traditional student that's returning after a significant absence or break in your education or you're a caretaker. So there's so many different ways to finance your education besides loans. Um, Pell Grants is also one, if that applies. Um, and Kesha, you brought up a good point to your point about sometimes if your parents, because the FAFSA requires, once you fill out a FAFSA, that requires information, financial information from your parents. And so 
it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, as you'll hear next week um, in the interview I do with Anthony. Um, but if your parents or parent makes more than a certain threshold, then you may be not be qualified for certain things. However, like a need-based um, scholarship or financial aid package. However, there's still other scholarships that you will likely be qualified for. So I would encourage you to do your homework and be really diligent in this process as much as you're diligent in where you go to school. And these scholarships that I was speaking of are not relegated to undergraduate education um, or pursuing your undergraduate degree. They also, some of them are open and available to non-traditional students or students that are pursuing a graduate or professional degree. So just something to add to the mix. Any last words of advice for people? Um, I think I would say never underestimate um, the impact that relationships can have on your experience and your future career. I think, um, at least in my grad program, that was instrumental in my success and where I'm going. Um, and relationships matter so much. They, you know, really impact the way um, people view you, number one, of course. Um, but it establishes a, such a strong connection um, that you have a number of resources. Whenever you have any questions about anything, you have a strong network of people um, to go to to um, get what you need. And I think I, I learned the importance of that in my grad career. And I, I think it would have, my experience would have been even better in undergrad had I um, understood that importance earlier on. So true. I mean, it's like communication and relationship, right? They go hand in hand. So I like that you talked about working with an advisor. Um, to help you navigate some of this stuff too. And you're absolutely right about, sometimes people burn bridges without even <laughs> realizing it. And um, and then also just kind of the connections that you can make with people that have, I mean, when we talked earlier and not even just during the pre-call, but I remember when we talked and I heard what you were studying, you know, and what you were planning to do. And I asked you if you knew someone that went to undergrad with me and I finished a long time before you finished and you had been in contact with that person, um, which is awesome because, uh, we, you know, and if you hadn't, then I would have made the introduction, but relationships are so imperative to our personal and our professional success and, and open and honest communication as well. So thank you so much for, for sharing your expertise and I'm really excited about your next steps and your move to Cleveland. Thank you so much. I'll be sure to connect with you um, in the next few months to let you know how it's going. Yes, you better. That would, <laughs> it would, I would be upset if you didn't let me know how you were doing. So I'm so <laughs> happy for you. All right. So let's swing. Oh, and then friends, I'll include in the show notes how you can connect with Keshe as well. Um, I know she'll be really busy as she's transitioning from uh, Ann Arbor, Detroit area to 
Cleveland, but um, she is all about community, so she will connect with you when she's available to do so. All right. Um, so this is funny as it relates to jobs. So I'm reading out of Humans of New York stories, of course. And so someone says, and their photograph is not of their face. I was tired of working retail, so I lied on my resume and said that I had bookkeeper experience. I learned as much as I could from Google before the job interview and printed out balance sheets to practice on. After I got the job, I read as much as I could every morning on the train. It was nerve-wracking at first, but I presented the numbers at the end of the month and everything checked out. May not have been the best way to get a job, but hey, I've got a son to look out for. So... It's understandable and at the same time, probably not the best. All right, so there's a huge guy, like really muscly, and it says, My idol is the hawk. The Hulk, excuse me. My nephew's like the Hulk as well. And then, let's see, we'll end with this one. Um, so it looks like a guy and he's holding flowers and it says sometimes when I'm going home to see her I think nobody should be this happy on a Tuesday. So that's sweet. Looks like he is going to give flowers to someone. Alrighty. So friends, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here as usual. Um, subscribe to the Type A Hippie podcast that she cast. Rate it, review it, and share it. Let people know about this podcast. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you, and I am in that place in me, there is only one of us. So friends, have a gratitude-filled day. My name is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, SheCast episode... 49. Namaste.